0: And I really am proud of you. Well done, man. Stay stay the course. I, I just, at a distance, I hear so many good things about what you're doing.
1: Well, thank you, Don. Uh, uh, again, your encouragement, it does mean a lot. Not just because your father figure role, because you're in a similar yeah. job and, and you get and listen, it, you know. listen,
0: if you screw up, man, I'm going to fly to Cincinnati and I'm going to kick your behind, okay? <laughs> you can't even say and, ass, can you? You can say ass. <laughs> Come on, let me hear hear you say, kick your ass. Come on, Don. It's just not in my vocabulary.
1: Welcome to the Aggressive Life. Dirt, you know... Sometimes I feel like this podcast is all about me. I, I just feel that sometimes. I don't, I don't know why you feel that. I'll I, I tell you why I feel <laughs> that, because I looked at my calendar last night before I went to bed, and I saw this piece on the calendar, and I, I thought, oh, that's going to be good. Oh, that's going to be really, really good. Dude, do you have any idea how important this guy is to me? I don't. I would like for you to tell me how important he is to you. Well, you actually probably have a little bit, because... Uh, book five marks the man that you've helped me out with. He's included in there early in the days of Crossroads, which is a, um, what's my day job church I started and still lead to this day. We were, we were taken off. We were grown like, uh, like a weed in the early days. And you know, weeds aren't necessarily healthy, <laughs> you know, weeds, weeds aren't necessarily something that's beautiful. And we had a lot of, a lot of stuff that was just out of control. And, and we brought this guy in. Every month, I think for a year, we brought him in to be with our senior leaders and our, our board for like a year. And um, it was intense. It was incredibly intense. Uh, his name is Don Cousins. I've referred to him uh, before as Donald. I've referred to him as sexy. Whenever I call him sexy, he calls me <laughs> handsome. <laughs> he calls me handsome. And uh, I actually, uh, we joked around that I-, I don't think that Don was a consultant for us. I think Don was an insultant. That's what he did. Like, just bring you in to insult you. <laughs> and, and that's what he would do. And uh, actually, this guy's had a profound impact on my life. We had a phone conversation, gosh, a couple years ago. That's what it comes down to. I have guest on The Aggressive Life just so I can have another conversation with him. And uh, he's just really, really, really fresh. I, I'm hoping he's going to go everywhere where I want him to go today. And if he's not, he'll tell me. He has no problem just drawing boundaries. A little intrigue for all of our listeners. One of my favorite quarterbacks in the NFL. I've been following him very, very closely. He's my fa- one of my favorite quarterbacks. is because it's Don's son, Kirk Cousins of the Minnesota Vikings. And, uh, I, so whenever guys producing great talent, and I don't mean just talent as far as on the field for what I hear of Kirk cousin, looks like he's has a very strong faith and walking with Christ There's something good about that. Don is. um, was one of the founders of arguably the most influential church in American history. It's very controversial today for some. That's actually very controversial in the, in the 70s or in the 80s and 90s, Willow Creek Community Church. He's one of the founders and executive pastor there at Willow Creek. And, um, man, he's been around the block many, many ways. And now he's back to, I think he's back to just good old-fashioned pastoring all the way down in Florida. Welcome to the aggressive life, Don Cousins. Brian what an introduction you haven't changed a bit my friend <laughs> man it's been it's been many many a year i'm thinking for our listeners our listeners probably very few of our listeners are pastors this is not a pastor podcast i, I don't even quote it as a faith podcast, but I'm a man of faith, i a pastor that so comes up a bit. Maybe we should start with the thing that's probably the most intriguing to the most number of people, and then you and I are going to get into the weeds on stuff, and uh, it'll be fun for me. I don't know if you fun for anybody else, but who cares? So long, long as it's fun for me, that's all that matters. <laughs> your son, like, give us the story. I always heard that you were a... Uh, Bill um, Highballs, your former friend, former Pastor yeah. used to say you were the greatest football coach you ever knew, and everyone would stand in line to be a part of your flag. Football teams, that was a, a goal of yours long-term. I always heard that, and bam, here is where your son is. Talk about your love of football, your history of football, and how much of that impacted producing a uh, an NFL talent like your son.
0: Well, Brian, I don't, I don't know that I had a whole lot to do with producing an NFL uh, quarterback. I will say that I left for college with the dream of uh, being a coach. And I either wanted to be on the sidelines of a major university or a professional team coaching football or baseball. And those were the two sports that I had uh, enjoyed the most growing up and playing. And, uh, you know, during my freshman year of college, God changed the desire of my heart. And I felt a calling to pursue what we know as ministry. and um, And so I, in a sense, took up the dream of... Being a coach and put it aside. And little did I know that years later, uh, God would give a one child of three. We have three tremendous children, uh, but one of them would grow up with a dream to play major college football was his dream when he was a young boy. And uh, wouldn't you know it? Look what God has done. And here he is entering his uh, 11th year in the NFL, his eighth as a starter quarterback. And um, I'm very proud of him, not only as a player, but more importantly, as a person. Uh, he's an outstanding young man. And my wife and I are thrilled with who he is as, as a person. How, how often do you talk with him and hang out with him right now? Well, we were just up there for a week over Thanksgiving. So we were there for the Cowboys game, which did not go well. Mm. <laughs> and then we were there for the Patriots game, which did go well. So we were there for the week and uh, really enjoyed it with he and his wife, Julie, and their two little boys
1: Good. So you're you're trying to get to a good percentage of his games then. Still,
0: we get to about seven or eight of them. Uh, you know, I've got this day job on Sundays. And that <laughs> makes it a little bit difficult. Um, right. But uh, we get to about about seven of them, and uh, I get to all the Sunday night, Monday night, Thursday night, all the odd ones, if you will, uh, and then a few of the Sunday afternoon games. So yeah, and I and I talk to Kirk every every week sometimes more than once a week. He called me last night on the way home from work, as he calls it. And uh, we had a good conversation about the day and what he's got going on. We have a good relationship.
1: That's very cool.
0: Well, you had a goal to
1: be a coach. I know that in your personal time, your volunteer time, you you used to coach football just as a pastime. I I got to think you were having a lot of football conversation with Kirk growing up, you've coached in his peewee football. You like you, I know you said you didn't, didn't do it. He didn't, he'd put the long hours on the, on the field, but I'm sure if I had him on here, he could say, Oh, my dad did this. And my dad did that. Tell us about that.
0: Well, when, um, you know, he was a, obviously, he's a very good athlete and he played basketball through high school, played baseball through high school, played obviously football through high school, uh, three sport athlete and was you know good at all of them. But football was always what he'd loved. Uh, In fact, when he first started playing tackle football in sixth grade, was the first time he played tackle football, he played two years of flag, followed by football, uh, uh, tackle in sixth grade. He would get up every Saturday morning and watch the movie Rudy (laughs) over again and over again and over again. When he was probably two or three years old, Brian, he would carry a football around the house. My wife and I never handed him a football. He just, for some reason, gravitated to a football and carried it around Anyway, when he was in fourth grade, he uh, was going to have a. Uh, my wife said to him, we're going to have a birthday party. What would you like to do? And he said, I'd like to invite my friends over and play football in the backyard and then have a party after it. So he did and uh, had a bunch of friends over. And I was looking out the kitchen window and I was watching him throw the football. And as I'm watching fourth grade now, I'm thinking to myself, this is not common. Hmm. He's not only throwing the ball really well, he's hitting these guys on the dead run accurately. And I wasn't thinking, oh, he's going to be a a big-time quarterback someday. I just thought, this is unusual. I mean, none of the other boys were doing what he was doing. It was just unusual. And uh, even when he started playing flag football and when he began playing tackle in sixth grade, at that age, the teams don't throw the ball. Everybody just runs. Well, our team threw. And he threw effectively, and uh, so as you know, time went on. He just obviously continued to throw, and he was a starting quarterback wherever he went. And um, you know, and so he was he was successful. And one thing led to led to another. And I did have the privilege in in eighth, sixth grade, fourth, fifth grade, in flag, um, sixth grade, um, uh, tackle, first year of helping coach, and then I became his head coach in eighth grade and freshman year, and JV year. So God gave me an opportunity, if you will, to uh, live my dream in a much smaller way uh, during those years and obviously enjoyed doing it with Kirk.
1: So be honest. Come on now, Dad. How often do you give your son coaching advice or did you wash your hands of that once he got to D1?
0: I don't give him advice. I ask him questions. And at the end of a game, I'll sometimes say to him, now, what happened there? Or what about that? Or what about that? Because the complexity of the game is way beyond what the average person, including me, begins to understand. Um, and when, when he gets into explaining what's going on, I'm thinking, oh my goodness, if people only knew mm. what, what, what you're having to do, even between every single play, what, what he's what what a quarterback in the NFL has to do mentally is incredible
1: so when you say what happened there it's not some innovative manipulative way to get a message across you're literally asking because you know it's more complicated than you realize
0: yeah I, it is and and there are times when I would say i I don't understand why you would why why the coach would have you do that and sometimes he'll say back uh yeah I uh, yeah i I I wish we did it differently. And I say, well, do you talk to him about that? And, uh, you know, fortunately, over the years, he's had a lot of coaches that he's had the freedom to talk to and give feedback to, including Kevin O'Connell, with whom he has a very good relationship right now. Uh, they're able to really dialogue back and forth. And Kirk's able to be very honest with him about what he thinks. Kevin's honest with him. And uh, hopefully together, as a result of putting their minds both together, they're going to come out with the best possible plan.
1: You know every NFL quarterback is under a good bit of scrutiny. As a dad, do you read the clippings? Do you read the headlines? Do you feel a defense for your son, or do you just realize no, I can't even go there and hear what commentators are saying? I just got to shut it all down.
0: Well, uh, t- to be honest with you, when I'm in the stadium watching games uh, in person, I listen to worship music.
1: Hmm.
0: I don't listen to what's going on in the stadium. And it helps keep me in perspective. It helps settle my mind because obviously I'm watching my son on the field. is a very stressful kind of an experience, especially on third and long or in the fourth quarter when you're down by three or by seven. And and you know that if we don't drive down the field and score, it's going to be game over. Okay. So, um, uh, and there are times even watching at home, uh, I will turn the announcers off because I'm hearing them say things that I know they don't know what they're talking about. Hmm. And, I, and I can't expect them to. In many cases, they're just coming in for a few days. They're not watching the Vikings every single week like I am. All right. So sometimes they'll say things and I just say, that's not accurate. And so if I find myself getting a little stressed, I just turn the volume off. And, and in other cases, like, for example, I'm not on Twitter I'm not on really social media. I don't get the—I'm mini- in Orlando. I don't get the Minneapolis papers. So so although you can't avoid all of it, I I don't hear a lot of it by choice.
1: Well, you're an intense guy, man. I mean, you are intense. I mean, you know, you, you help build the, uh, as I mentioned earlier, arguably the most influential church in American history, at least it has been in my lifetime— uh, it was aggressive. I don't it, It's yeah. called the aggressive life. Like tell us some of the stories. Like most of our, most of our people have never heard this. Just tell us the older story, early stories of what you did and selling tomatoes and all that kind of stuff.
0: Well, you know, when we first started the church, we had come out of a youth ministry. Um, you know, when I just backing up a little bit in the story, when I, I the church I grew up in was in the middle of a neighborhood on three acres. All right. Not even three acres. It had about four or 500 people. When I graduated from high school, the youth ministry was 1,200. It was twice the size of the church overall. Wow. Okay? Now, looking back—
1: For those in- of our listeners, a current-day <laughs> senior pastor is ecstatic if the student ministry is 20% of the weekend attendance.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, the church was four or 500, and the youth ministry was 1,200. And so, uh, when Bill Hybels, uh, who was the lead pastor, felt led to go start an, a, a, a church a, for adults out of that youth ministry, um, I took over the student ministry in the area that we were going to, okay? And for the first year year and a half, uh, we didn't we didn't have any uh, salaries of any kind. Everybody was a volunteer. Uh, and because we were coming out of a youth ministry, Everybody was young. We, we only had probably 10, which you would consider to be adults, okay? Bill's 25 years old. Uh, I was 20. Uh, you know, I'm still going to college. A couple other guys of the staff are in the same age range, very young. We didn't have any money per se. We were renting a movie theater to put on our Sunday morning services. Uh, we were renting a little office space in an industrial complex uh, for, for some ragtag offices and, um, you know, we were we were putting in long, long weeks, but God was moving, and the church grew very, very, very rapidly, and what we were doing programmatically was at that time really cutting edge. And as a result, a lot of people who had been disillusioned with the church were finding their way back.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it seems like today every church has a drum set or a guitar, having a having guitar or a drum set in a church three decades ago, let alone four decades ago when you guys were doing that was, I mean, you, you may as well put a Playboy centerfold up, in, up on the altar. You know, it just it was not not accepted at all. Yeah,
0: it was unique. We, were, it, we, we had um, a guy and his wife in the church as volunteers who were putting together three to five minute media presentations every single week that fit with the message theme. Uh, the music was... uh, Contemporary—I was—I guess what you would call it for what churches Uh, were—we would have drama sketches like Saturday Night Live kind of things uh, that would be taking place in keeping with the message. And so you know, drama, contemporary music, media—in the mid 1970s, churches just weren't doing this. Uh, And as a result, there was a lot of curiosity about what we were doing. And because what we were doing, Brian was. just mainline Jesus. We, I mean, we're just, we, we, we weren't preaching a different gospel, as it's called, okay? We were just teaching the Bible, but we were doing it in creative ways that cause people to give their attention to it.
1: I think why this is so fascinating to me, Don, I've been thinking about this a lot recently. Isn't that I'm fascinated by uh, another group of people that builds a big organization? I think what I'm really... F- uh, fascinating. When I hear those stories again, and you're not even done telling stories, so I want to hear about the tomatoes and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But here's where I'm going on this: is a, it's it's almost become a dirty word. But I'll just say it. It's the word evangelism. It's it's the word making proselytes. Oh my gosh, making a proselytes, proselytizing. I mean, that's that's just an awful, awful saying in our in our in our country today. But it's a it's a thing in the Bible having proselytes having disciples bringing somebody into the fold evangelism and i just i just don't see it today i'm not i'm not i'm not seeing it today i am just not i look back at what made christianity a dominant religion and a dominant blessing with all the awful things that have coming out of the Christ, christendom like the crusades and burning witches, all that stuff. Man, the world is a better place, but it was because of the evangelists. It was because of people like Hudson Taylor, who went over to China and had his hair look like a Chinese person, which was scandalous. It's because of Jim Rayburn, who started Young Life. And he just had this crazy, stupid-ass idea of, let's just buy big, expensive properties and take kids to camp in the summer. And a generation has been transformed. It's Bill Bright, who, yeah. you know, has the four spiritual laws and campus crusade for Christ, which is since called crew. All these things were first in class yeah. innovation. Yeah. You're, what well, you're talking about here back in the mid-70s, this was first in class innovation. And today, I'm just not seeing it, man. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm seeing all of our innovation is going to reaching other Christians. I I yeah. love Maverick City. It's a it's great worship. I listen to all listen to it this morning all the time. But why is our best innovation? our best music is going to getting people from Hillsong and Bethel. I've yeah. not, I'm not seeing, I've not seen a new church start that didn't want to look like a better version of the one that started 20, 30 years ago. They're just new iterations. Yeah. There's not any new, I'm, I'm not hearing a fresh vision of a missionary who's pouring out his life and taking rocks from half the Christian community because they can't understand them. I'm, I'm just not seeing it. So when I talk with you and I think about the, the stones you took, I'm like, man, we don't need to be doing that again in terms of, Multimedia, we've got that one licked, but I'm just not seeing people making aggressive moves. What do you think about that?
0: Well, you know, the culture, Brian, has changed so dramatically, and I'm just not sure nowadays that uh, we're going to—the attractional church is a tougher gig to to do, okay? Because the culture has become so noisy and so creative— and so out there with regard to mediums of communication, etc., social media and everything else, we didn't have the competing forces back in the day, yeah, all right? Right. I believe to a great degree what we have to do now is we've got to go out to a world that isn't attracted and we've got to show them something in us that is attractive, okay? When you stop to think about it, everybody is an evangelist. All right? So hang with me for just a second on this, okay? Go to a person who's a complete atheist. all right? God is not even on the radar of their life, okay? They go see a movie that they love. What do they do after seeing a movie that they love? Tell people they, about go it. Tell, they go tell people about it, right? You, they, you go to a restaurant and you have a great experience at a restaurant, what do you do? You tell people about it. It may be that at the core of it, We don't have enough people getting excited about knowing Jesus. Mm. Yeah. Because if they got excited about knowing Jesus, then maybe just like they would do with a good movie or a good restaurant, they would go tell somebody else about Jesus. Yeah. We we don't live with conviction. We don't live with an enthusiasm to tell the story of Jesus. And as a result, uh, our lukewarmness, if you will, is having a lukewarm effect on the society around us. Because if we really believed what we say we believe, how can we not be sharing it with other people?
1: Right, that's the answer. You really don't yeah. believe it.
0: Yeah, yeah. See, and the fact of the matter is, when we first started at, at, uh, at with uh, youth ministry and it grew as rapidly as it did, the reason it grew as rapidly as it did was because kids would go back to their high schools, and they would say they would just their life would have been changed, and as a result, their friends would see that. And they would say, Oh, you gotta come to this. You gotta come to this youth group that I've been going to. Okay? Well, you know, when, when, when the church started, people asked the question, Well, how did the church ever start? Okay? Well, here's what happened. We had the whole youth ministry broken into teams. So of the 1,200 kids, we had 16 teams, okay, coming from different high schools in the Chicago suburbs and things. All right. Well, in the last year or so, the youth ministry, we would have parent nights. And parents would be invited to come to watch what was going on, to be observers, okay? What happened was at the end of those nights, parents would come to Bill afterwards and they would say things like, I had to come tonight. My kid has changed Mm. for the better. And I had to find out what in the world were you doing here that has had such a positive impact on my kid? Or they would say, you know what? I haven't been to church in 20 years. I don't have good memories of church, but I got more out of tonight than I ever got out of the church that I used to go to. Do you know of a church service like this for adults, for Mm -hmm. me? Mm -hmm. Well, Bill began to hear that over and over and over again. And that's when, when he then talked to me as I was a freshman in college. And I said to him, I'm feeling called into ministry um, I'm going to see what the Lord has in mind. He said, well, I'm thinking about starting a church. And I said, what do you mean, like with adults? And he said, yeah. And then he told me a couple of those little stories I just told you. And and he said, so I'm going to start a church to reach the parents of the kids that we're reaching in the youth ministry.
1: I saw you for a good period of time, a few years, every month, week, We'd catch up, you'd press into me, you'd spank me, you'd encourage me, you'd coach us. You were you it was really, really good. And then uh then you know that kind of season came to an end. We didn't talk with one another for a while. And then next thing I know, you're senior pastor at a church that's pretty big and growing at an age when most people are thinking about hanging it up. Tell us about how that came about. Why? Shouldn't you be retired and doing nothing right now (laughs) other than watching your son play?
0: (laughs) I did just turn 66, Brian, and I know I look like it. Okay, you don't act Uh, like it, man. No, you look good. You've always (laughs) been bald. So your eyebrows (laughs) are a little bit bushy. (laughs) When I I first started with you, I had some hair, but I think working with you, I lost some of it while I was going. (laughs) Exactly. Anyway. no, you know, I was doing, uh, I was doing, I'd written a book on leadership. I had written some materials to help train leaders, uh, in the, in the church specifically. Um, and I was just doing leadership coaching, uh, you know, all around the country, similar to what I had done with you. I came to this church in Orlando and at the invitation of the senior pastor and began to do some training. And, uh, what happened was a series of circumstances unfolded and they kept upping my involvement. <laughs> such that I went from a couple days a month to five days a month to 10 days a month. And then they were asking me, would you come here full time? And I didn't feel led to, to do that. But this went on for a few years, and, uh, and I believe God was using me. Well, then some things unfolded in the life of the senior pastor such that he chose for personal reasons to resign uh, back in 2013. And the elders said to me, would you be willing to step in and take over on an interim basis? And uh, my wife and I prayed about it. I was uh, 56, 57 at the time. And uh, and I said, uh, uh, yes, I'll, I, I feel led to do that. And then a few months later they said, could we take the interim tag off and would you just be the lead pastor? So I've been here and uh, and I'm, I'm still here. And while I, I don't have any immediate plans to step aside, I do see a finish line Somewhere in sight, if you will, and so the elders and I are talking about next steps.
1: So you step in at the age I'm at right now. Basically, I don't know. You could view it as a startup, a rehab, a turnaround, uh, just taking the next level, a grow whatever it whatever it is. I mean, you lose a senior leader and and you come in. It, Don generally people are not looking for that kind of assignment at fifty six, fifty seven. What? how much of your ability to take that assignment was based on your personal habits of taking care of yourself? I mean, you, you, you look good. you you have the same fire and energy you have right now. Like what's talk about how, how, how you're maintaining your fire at age 60, would you say 66? 66. So what's, yeah. what's your, what's your, um, what's your thing?
0: I don't feel 66. <laughs> um you know, Brian, I don't, I, the, the American notion of retirement, that's a no-go for me, okay? There may become a time where I'll transition from this specific role, but, you know, the Lord's given me energy. The Lord's given me, I believe, a calling. He gave me an opportunity. I prayed about it, sensed that he was in it. I had been already leading in the church in a significant way for a few years, and as a result, I just sensed God's hand was in it. And, uh, and so when you see when you sense God's hand is in something and on your involvement, I, I want more of that, right? I want more of that. And so when the door opened, I walked through it and, uh, yeah, I do try and take care of myself in the sense that my wife keeps me eating, right? I have had a bout with cancer, uh, back oh. in 2015, mm. was out for several months, uh, due to that. But, uh, apart from that, you know, I, uh, exercise regularly and, and, uh, like I said, I don't, I don't feel 66. I, 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 feel like, you know, God's given me strength and energy and, and, um, I enjoy my staff. I enjoy who I work with. So. But you recognize what I'm talking
1: good. about, right? There's not, there's not a lot of people looking for a new daunting assignment in their late fifties. Uh,
0: no. And even at the time, the elders said to me, well, if we were just going to go look for a lead pastor, we probably wouldn't look for someone at your age. However, we have a sense that God has you here for such a time as this. What do you think? And I, I, I believe God had me here. It was a difficult transition for the church. The senior leader had been here, had been here 28 years, and uh, uh, he had made some personal life choices that forced him to make a choice to resign. So it was a very sudden shift. So the, um, so the problem, Don,
1: is yeah. you. You're the problem. So you're around this guy, he detonates his life. You're around Bill Hybels, he detonated his life. What's the common thread here?
0: It's Don Cousins.
1: That's the problem. In fact, in fact, you were coming around me because you wanted to detonate me. I got out while I was just just barely ahead of things. Don Cousins' face is red and his scalp is red right now. Come in on, the beginning, that's, funny. Said, that's funny. In
0: the in the beginning, you called me your insultant. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, you've, you've been around, um, uh, it's not a passion podcast, but let's go here. Let's go here. Cause it's very, very rare for someone to be around your, around your wisdom and, and longevity and integrity. And I mean, you're, you're going to finish strong. You, re, you really are. That's the goal. What do you, what, what would you say to those of us who are in our fifties, forties, thirties, twenties, about energy management, about how to finish well, about um, just any of that stuff. Just, just pour into us.
0: You know, Brian, at the very foundation of, of um, living successfully, if I can call it that, I would define it as the ability to manage your life to the glory of God. We are called to steward our life. And that begins with me as a person. It begins with stewarding my my talents and gifts that God's given me. It, it's, it's stewarding my marriage. It's stewarding our three children. It's stewarding the possessions that God has given us. It's stewarding the job that God has given us to his glory, doing it. okay? And I think what happens is we lose sight of the fact that we've been called to steward. All right? And and to manage what God has entrusted to us, you know, one of the things that I've said to Kirk, because obviously uh, he makes he makes a little more money than you and I make. At least he ma- well, I should say more he makes more money than me. Yeah, maybe not. I mean, I'm maybe on a different not level. more money than you. No, he okay? makes way more than me. Yeah. Um, and one of the things that I've said to him, you know, since since the journey ever began, is I said, you know, Kirk, God has given you a platform. He's given you abilities, unique abilities. All right. Uh, of what you do there's only 32 people in the world who do it okay mm. and even of the 32 half the teams wish they had somebody else okay you're in a place of of great privilege and responsibility you are a steward okay you don't own it you're you're where you are because of what God gave you steward your life in a way that honors God okay And, you know, if you don't steward your life in a way that honors God, that at some point in time, Brian, the wheels are going to come off somewhere. The wheels are going to come off morally. The wheels are going to come off financially. The wheels are going to come off in terms of ego. The wheels are going to come off in terms of marriage, kids, something. The wheels are going to come off. Okay? So, job number one is manage your life in a way that honors God. Okay? And then on the heels of that, is the platform upon which all leadership is built, which is example. If, If you're not living it by example, then your ability to lead is greatly diminished. It's from the platform of example that you have the integrity, if you will, to be able to call others to follow you.
1: Yeah, I was listening to a podcast the other day, Carrie uh, Newhoff podcast. He's got a great podcast for Christian leaders. And he had uh, on, uh, what was your name? i try to get it right, Kayla Steckline. You might have, have you ever heard of her? Or the?
0: I've heard the name, yeah.
1: So um, her husband, her husband uh, was pastor, started church, it was really popping and growing, then he killed himself mm. about two years ago. And boy, she really opened up and talked about um, you know, she certainly was not dishonoring to her husband's memory, but yeah. she was saying things that were very helpful for people like me of what was going on behind the scenes or, or just his outlook on, on leadership and ministry. He <laughs> said things like, I wish that he wouldn't have worked seven days a week. I wish right. that... I wish right. that he wouldn't have had to go into the office and on Saturdays and feel like he had to memorize his message. I wish that he would have had a team of teachers and he didn't feel like everything was on him. I, w- I mean, he, she, he, she kind of rattled right. through this. And basically what right. you're talking about, He unfortunately he wasn't able to steward his life very well and had a very tragic end. And you're encouraging us right now, wherever we are, to start stewarding our life well from where we are right now.
0: If, if, if Success number one is steward your life in such a way that when you stand before God, he's going to say to you, Hey, you stewarded what I gave you well. Okay, uh, we, we get way too caught up in in other things. Okay, that are ultimately not nearly as important in life. It's a thrill to me, for example, and I got you know three great kids. That by God's grace, you know they're they're all uh, got a good. My wife and I have a great relationship with them, and and they're doing well in life, etc. Kirk obviously is is most well known. Brian, if today he were a successful NFL quarterback but was not walking with God, if he had no interest in stewarding his finances in a way that honors God, if he was not you know, committed in his marriage the way he is, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, do you know what that would do to my joy level in mm. watching him as a quarterback? Right. <sighs> kill it, right. It would kill it. It, it, it. I mean, there would still be a measure of joy. But but the real measure of joy is seeing the way he handles himself with the media and things. I I asked him a question. He threw a pick six one game several years ago, okay? And I said to him after the game, what happened on that play? And he said, so-and-so didn't make his block. And I said, you mean he missed it? He said, no, he chose to not make it. I said, how do you know? He said, because he ran right by the guy that he was supposed to block. And if he doesn't block that guy, that guy's going to intercept the pass, and he's going to return it for a touchdown, which is what he did, Mm -hmm. okay? Now, Brian, does anybody today know that other than him, me, and probably his coaches? Mm. No, because Kirk never went to the media, didn't stand up in front of the media after the game when they said to him, "Uh, hey, you threw a pick six, what's going on here, okay? Okay. You have never heard, Kirk, in 15 years of playing public football, ever cast blame on anybody. That, as a father, gives me great joy, because it speaks of the fact that he's stewarding the position that he's in, Yeah. okay? And, and as pastors, for example, uh, we, we have to steward our personal life in a way that honors God, in a way that sets an example for others to follow. If we don't do that, then it really, I, I just don't know that God cares nearly as much about how many how many things we've accomplished.
1: Yeah, we've got to be representing the life that right. we're calling people towards. And if we're right. representing a life that's a show or representing a life that's burnout or fraud or joyless, we don't have much to call people to.
0: Right.
1: Yeah, I was yep. really—it was heartbreaking to, to hear it and, and see. And, it.
0: and 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 let me just say, while I'm at it, and you're not asking me to do this in any way, shape, or form, but let me just tell you, as as someone who is older than you, at the risk of sounding paternalistic, I'm really proud of you oh. that uh, that you have stewarded your your calling so well, and the fact that you have been you've been on a rocket ship of sorts for how many years now?
1: Twenty six. Yeah, yeah, 26.
0: So I, ju- I just say to you, well done. Well done.
1: Oh, man. Stay the course. Get me all emotional here, Don.
0: Stay the course.
1: You're you're breaking with your brand of an insultant.
0: <laughs> wow, <laughs> well, that's, you know, that, that means a lot, man. Seriously, that means un- a lot. Unfortunately, um, how many guys do we see, both in the church world as well as in the business world, whose uh, lives are getting shipwrecked? Uh, at 55, 60, 65 years old, they, you know— uh, right. you know, the wheels are coming off,
1: et cetera. It, it's so, tough. Well, let, let's yeah. let's go there. Uh, do you, are, how do you feel about your former friend, friend, current right now, I don't know how you'd call him, your your boss, your co-labor, Bill Hybels, who, you know, had things not ended differently here over the last few years, would have been included in the list of Jim Rayburns and Bill Brights and Hudson Taylors, I believe. But, you know, he's had some... Had some scandals he chose not to answer to, and he chose not to speak to, which just leaves us with the understanding that he's probably, you know, guilty of a good percentage of those things. This isn't like some gotcha podcast. But I'm just, as, as a leader, how do you process that? Like,
0: yeah, uh, I, I tell,
1: I, I th- it sucks. Like, I'm going like, man, guys had a big impact on me. Never got his yeah. last Easter sermon. Doesn't get to be Pastor Emeritus doesn't get to be called in to speak and save the day. Doesn't, I mean, all those things just whew, like like flushed down the toilet, just gone. Yeah. That's weird. Yeah.
0: yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, again, a long way separated from it. Um, I did run into Bill a few months ago. Did you? Uh, oh, yeah. That's yeah. odd. Was he doing okay? Uh, he was. Oh. And, uh, you know, and uh, had a, actually Marianne and I and Kirk were out for dinner to celebrate her birthday. And uh, we ran into him. So anyway, we had a nice chat for a while, and I thanked him. Uh, I said, Bill, just, you know, I know some things have gone down. Uh, we don't need to get into all that. I said, I just want you to know that I thank God for you and thank God for the impact that he had on my life through your life. Uh, Bill was a significant influence in my life, um, and I thank God for his involvement. Uh, as, as it relates to all that unfolded, again, I live in Orlando, uh, you know, I've been gone from Willow Creek for a long time now, and so I'm removed from the situation. I don't know the details of all that unfolded there. Uh, obviously, as a as a church consultant for years, and as a pastor, I have some understanding of of what unfolds. And yeah, there are some things that I would have s- suggested they handle it differently. But
1: fascinating. So you just got to yeah. bump into them and you spend some just time with them. Yeah, that's yeah. cool, man. That's really yeah. good well what's also so, really cool to hear about that talk about finishing well. I think one of the ways that we we enable ourselves to have a good long haul is to really deal with bitterness really well, and you know you know I had these conversations you know a couple of decades ago I, I I felt like when you first left Willow that you had a little bit of bitterness there. Um, you've obviously, if you did, you've obviously flushed that away. That's, that's been yeah. long, long, because you couldn't last. You, bitterness can't fuel you. And bitterness also would not enable you to have a charitable, positive conversation with somebody who, uh, who actually did have a positive impact on you. That's really cool. Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, we all get hurt in life, right? Yeah. Everybody gets hurt. Nobody gets through life without being hurt. Uh, the question is, what do you do with your hurt? And uh, if, you, if you resolve your hurts and uh, you allow them to be healed... God uses your hurts uh, that are now healed to be a source of ministry to other people. And, uh, uh, yeah, there was, uh, you know, when you have a separation, as I did when I left Willow, uh, I left for many good reasons, but it wasn't easy when, when these, are, these are the people I've been with, in some cases, all my life. And uh, when you say, hey, I'm, I'm leaving, uh, I, I you know, I, I feel like I need to step out. Um, even though the reasons were good reasons, it's still difficult, you know, and that's just the nature of life. Okay. And, um, so anyway, but, uh, a God has, has there, healed it.
1: That's praise God. That's fantastic. And <clears throat> that's a good caution reminder of all of us. We're all going to be dealing with hurt, but you do touch on a kind of hurt that for those in our church audience, uh, specifically our church staff audience, whatever small percentage that is, we found it's true. It's just, when you're on a church staff, there's no separation in your life. I like to tell tell people it's like one ball. I say, look, you're leaving corporate America right now, it's really nice. You got your corporate, if your corporate job sucks, it's okay, because you're gonna be clocked out, you're gonna be home with your family. And if that's not going great, okay, well, you're gonna be at church on the weekend and then you have your friends, you have these different things cycling out of. But when you're in okay. church, Like your friends have to be the people who are in your ministry. Your ministry is going to suck. You're not going to have volunteers, right? Right. And your time with God is not a separate thing anymore. Now your time with God is part of your job. And if I don't do my time with God well, then I'm not doing my job well, but yet how do I have private time with God? And I don't think about the thing I have to say in the Bible study. And yet my friends is my work, is my job, is my church. I just can't go to church anymore and just have a me and God moment because no, this is my place to employment. It's very, very
0: complicated
1: and uh, makes us very prone to be
0: worn out and crushed well it's it's also the reason why, as a leader in the church, and as I tell my my uh, my senior staff, uh, and you know this to be true as well, we have to hire people very, very, very carefully, because if it doesn't work out for some reason, the implications are far greater than just a job, far greater. and uh, and therefore, we need to make sure as we're hiring people, that we are really doing our homework, making sure that God's in it, uh, making sure that we're hiring somebody that's healthy emotionally and spiritually and relationally, because the, 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 the downside is so complicated. Uh, if it doesn't work out, you just can't afford it.
1: Yep. And those, those things are tough, they're difficult.
0: Yeah. Yep.
1: Today's podcast is brought to you by Athletic Greens. It's a product I use every day. I started taking AG1 because I don't watch my diet too closely, but I know that I'm getting all the vitamins, minerals, and nutrients I can, as well as hydrating with 12 ounces of water right off the bat at the beginning of the day. One scoop of AG1 has got 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens, and it doesn't taste like it. It actually tastes great. AG1 is a microhabit with big benefits. For less than $3 a day, you can take care of your health and invest in your future. It's recommended by professional athletes, health experts, and me. <laughs> to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packets with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash aggressive life. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash aggressive life to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutrition insurance. So go get you some and let's get back to the show. Man, I've tried a lot of different things to work out and man, I found something, this company called 10,000. It fits my body really, really well. It's athletic. It's antimicrobial. It's It stretches really well. The the, the shorts, the shirts, I li- I like it a lot. <laughs> it's really good. So if you're trained for anything, a marathon, a big hunt, or just hitting the weights, you're going to want these clothes. You're going to want this gear. Get it now and save 15% off on your purchase. You can go to 10,000.cc and enter the code. Aggressive Life. That's T E N T H O U S A N D dot C C. And then enter the code aggressive life. Hopefully, I don't have to spell that out for you too. And get yourself some 15% off. They offer free shipping, free returns, and a lifetime guarantee. This is the highest quality, best fitting, most comfortable training gear. I've ever found. And I think that you're going to find as well. So go get yourself some and I'll see you out there. So I got to ask shifting gears, shifting gears here, talk about stewardship Um, and Kirk stewarding his life. Well, is he stewarding some of the gravy that's coming his way and dropping some into your lap? I mean, do you get like a, do you get like a a sports car out of this deal? Do you get like a second home someplace? Come on, dad, he is where he is because of your DNA and your coaching. Does does that like, does it take you out to an expensive cruise vacation once a year? Come on, you gotta get something. All of us want to
0: know these things. Well, he has a home in West Michigan that he built and, um, and, and, uh, our family goes there for a couple of weeks in the, in the summer as a, as a whole family. And then I get the month of July as a study break slash vacation. And so I go stay at his home. And uh, he doesn't charge me for that uh, for that, uh, that time in his home. Is he but there? To, That's his main residence or is one of his residents? No, residences? He's in, obviously he's in Minnesota through the whole football season. Oh, okay. right. um, and then when he gets off uh, uh, after uh, spring workouts before training camp, he'll get to his home, this home in Michigan. Um, but no, my wife, you know, still flies for United Airlines. Really? And she's she's been flying for United for almost forty years, and she's got friends who will say, "Why are you still flying? You have a son in the NFL." And and she says, "Well, that's his job and his money, not my money and my job." <laughs> right, right.
1: So, anyway,
0: no, Kirk is gracious to us, but no, I'm not. Uh, I'm not. I'm not driving a Corvette that Kirk gave me. Let's put it that way.
1: Well, if you were driving like a. A VW Bug, that'd be nice. <laughs> Kirk Cousins, if you're listening right now, come on, come on now, take 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 care of your man.
0: Yeah, no,
1: no, I'm having fun. Okay, you you mentioned finish line earlier on. You said you've got a finish line. Do you have an identified finish line to your current no. role as you see it right now? And are you telling people about that or not?
0: No, no, we're not there yet. Um, I, I'm not planning to leave anytime soon. But it is a topic of discussion, awesome. if you will. You're 66,
1: okay. and you're saying, I'm not willing to leave anytime soon. That's, yeah. l- I love that. Yeah. So how do you well, feel, how are you processing that, Don? Because I'm, I'm talking to you, I'm, I'm like talking to the Don that was 45. You're just uh, f- 40. Well, how old were you when we first met?
0: Well, I was 37 when I left Willow. Okay, so, so late 30s. About 40, yeah.
1: I'm not talking to a guy has, who has any less energy or intensity than you did back then. Seriously, I, I could I could see it in your eyes. I'm not. I mean, you, you were a clone. Your eyebrows are bushier because that happens to us as men. You got to stay on top of that. Cl- trim yeah, those know. suckers more often. I, of I know. I know. But I yeah. mean, you're I'm about like do for a haircut. Yeah. <laughs> 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 but you are just. I mean, you're you're on it, man. And how are you thinking through? I feel great. Feel as well as I ever have. But generally, as I age, the church ages. Is that part of your thought process is this to keep the church young? I have to, or try to get the church as young as possible. I've got to do X, Y, Z, or does that not even enter your mind?
0: Uh, it enters my mind. I got a couple of other guys in my teaching team. They're both in their early forties. Um, you know, so they're, they're younger. Obviously we have a lot of, we have a, a staff that is, um, uh, you know, uh, runs the gamut with a lot of young people on our staff. And Brian, in terms of the church, I know you've got a diverse church. Uh, this is a very diverse church. We have young, old, male, female, black, white, Latino, Asian. Uh, it's, it's tremendous. It's the most diverse church I've ever been a part of. And, uh, and I think some of the young people kind of look at me as Yoda, Uh, they kind of say, you know, there, there is, um, there is some wisdom that comes with age. Obviously I've got kids that are in their early thirties. My daughters, our daughter's 32, Kirk is 34. Our oldest son, Kyle is 36. And now they've got kids, uh, five grandchildren with one more on the way. So uh, the combination of relating to them, relating to my staff, who in many cases, almost every case is younger than me, I stay young and I stay in touch with, with young people, if you will. Okay. And as long as the communication is, uh, relevant and conversational and applicable, and, uh, I can tell some stories about life at not only my age, but at a younger age, um, you know, there is wisdom. I mean, I believe i believe I'm a better leader today than I was when I was 36 or 46 or even 56. What's your workout routine? I have a little club that I belong to uh, that I go work out uh, typically three days a week. And then uh, the other days a week, I, I, I'm a runner. Uh, I've been sidelined recently by a little injury, but, uh, but I've been running for 45 years. So you're so, doing
1: something physical six days a week?
0: Yeah, five to six days a week, yeah, easily, yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah, Dirt, I got to go work out after this. <laughs> <no>. <laughs> <Yeah>. uh,
0: uh,
1: <laughs> I, I have to start. Dirt, how many times are you working out a week right now? Yeah, <laughs> Like once. Yeah, but you're so svelte. It works for you because you never eat. Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, that's true, yeah. All right, Don Cousins, are you ready for the lightning round? The lightning round All is right. when I give you a topic it, and you it to like me. fire like, like it fast to me. as lightning. Give. One or two sentences. Are you up for the challenge, Don Cousins? I am. Give it to me. Here we go. Most aggressive move you are making right now.
0: I'm trying to move the church to a greater degree of experiencing the power of the Holy Spirit.
1: All right. See now, I got to pause. See, you, you, you did, you did, it, you did it really well. Good, good job. Good,
0: good job. I'll um, well, put it this way, Brian. In the last ten years at this church, because of the way that we are doing our prayer ministry, I have seen more healings in the past ten years than I saw in all the years before then. No, this one. we we have a all church prayer meeting. It happens five times a year. We have one this Thursday night. The last one we had, we had eleven hundred and twenty one people attend prayer meeting. Mm. Wow. That's pretty good for a prayer meeting.
1: That is. That's fantastic. I was yeah. I was uh, because you, you obeyed the rules really, really well of one to two sentences, but then you said something that's intriguing enough, like, okay, let's, let's spend some more time here. Because this is one thing I don't think we've ever talked about here. I don't think we have ever talked about the two words together, Holy Spirit. If we have, it's been in just in passing. But I'm with you, man. I am personally experiencing a higher degree of interaction with the miraculous than I, than I ever have. Amen. Um, and I'm not sure how much of it is my faith has grown. I'm not sure if I, how much I've, I've, I have new techniques. I don't know how much of it is just the age of our time, that people are more open. I don't know how much of it is that there's obviously more evil in the world. So the forces of God have amped up their activity. But I'll just give you one one more recent last few months. I was praying for somebody there, felt, felt really, really sick. And I was praying for him. We had another person there. They put their hands on We were praying. And as their sickness would go away and... And then I asked him the next day, and feeling better? Nah, eh, not really, not really. The other person who was there, who had her hands on the guy, as she and her husband are driving home, she realizes that for the first time since she can remember, she has her hearing in her ear restored. And she says, "Thanks for praying for me. You got, you got, I got healed." I was like, mm-hmm. "I don't remember praying for you. In fact, the guy I prayed for, nothing happened." So she said, Well, the best I can discern, you pray that all things that aren't of you would be healed. And I have my hands on the guys. So maybe something from you went in there to me. I, all I know is I can't believe it. I can hear a hundred percent for the first time. You know. Amen. I'm here yeah. I'm i I'm personally seeing experiencing more and more of those things.
0: Well we're we're seeing a lot of it here. I, I see a lot of it. We're I'm seeing more of it than I ever have before. And uh uh, prayer ministry here is a priority. You know, I said to myself years ago, if I ever step into the role of being a lead pastor uh, in, in the future, if I go back into the church of pastorate, and I'm in a position to be able to pull it off, I will make prayer ministry a priority. And so uh, we have a prayer ministry. We have 140 people on our prayer team um, that are committed to intercessory prayer. As I said, we have this prayer meeting. We call it the Gathering. Uh, they're, they're, The gathering is, is if not the best thing we do, it's one of the top three things that we do. God shows up, Brian, in a, in a powerful way. You know, I don't want the wind of a fan. I want the wind of a hurricane. I can produce the wind of a fan. I just have to plug it in. I can't produce the wind of a hurricane. Only the Holy Spirit can produce the wind of a hurricane. What the church needs today and what our world needs today is the wind of a hurricane, not the wind of a fan.
1: So boost our faith tell us one of the miracles that you've experienced your church has recently
0: well we've had people heal of cancer Uh, we've had we've had people who uh, were in stage 3 stage 4 cancer they go into their doctor for a checkup and it's gone Mm. okay we had a guy in our staff who's been through disability after disability after disability due to a number of different uh, factors Uh, he was told years ago that uh, if we do this surgery on your brain you got a 90 percent chance of dying. If we don't do this surgery on your brain, you've got a hundred percent chance of dying. Mm. Uh, he not only lived, they had told him that he was going to be paralyzed. He's walking today. Mm. Now he's suffered he's blind. Um, he's had some other infirmities, but he's alive today and he's got a heart that is filled with joy. It's incredible.
1: Uh, that's incredible.
0: And uh, so, anyway, we, we've seen people who lost their hearing, who've had their hearing restored, uh, people with back issues, chronic back issues, that, uh, you know, at the end of the night, this coming Thursday night, after the end of the gathering, we will invite people to the front for healing prayer. And we'll have members of our prayer team praying for them. And uh, not a gathering goes by when at least one or two or three stories don't surface. Of someone had having come forward was prayed for and experienced a healing.
1: It's really a good push. We do uh, at our camps, which is kind of our innovative, aggressive thing to do something different on the evangelism front. We have uh, at all of our camps: couples camp, man camp, woman camp, vet camp, father son yeah. camp, chihuahua cat camp, all the different cats, <laughs> all different camps. We have very intensive prayer ministry, but when it comes into our sites. Uh, we're not as creative there. We have like monthly prayer nights. I haven't, we ought to think about doing fewer that are higher octane and a higher bar for excellence. And me being at all of them, like the ones in on our yeah. sites, I'm just not. Uh, that's, that's a good point. Right. All right. Back to yeah. back to light round, Don. Sorry. I, just, I won't do this with all these because I'm about out of time here. You're going to have fun editing this. Here we, go, here we go. Hardest leadership lesson you've had to personally learn
0: allowing hires that I wasn't sold on that I let go through against my better judgment that I later said, why didn't I listen to my own unrest? Um, you know, cause who you hire, I mean who you put in leadership positions is so critically important uh, that when you get the wrong leader in a spot, you end up paying for that in multiple ways.
1: Yes, true. All right, one more leader in history you most admire, and you can't say Jesus or anybody who wrote a <laughs> portion of the Bible.
0: Okay, <laughs> um, you know, uh, I don't know. Uh, I don't know that you can get by Abraham Lincoln uh, in terms of historical. I mean, the guy was defeated in elections. How many times before becoming president? That's, three, I think it was. Oh, I thought it was
1: more than that. I thought it, it was seven. It might like have been more than three. Something like that.
0: Okay. The fact that he kept persevering, and then he took on. I mean, can you imagine today if we had a civil war breakout? Uh, well, it's breaking out already. Yes. Well, it is without it, guns. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, it, and the fact that he pres- and then you know, I. I was listening to the other day to a portion of an interview on the radio in which a man who's an expert on Thanksgiving, and he talked about the fact, he was talking about the original pilgrims and all that in the historical context, but he talked about several presidents who actually gave proclamations of sorts Mm -hmm. related to Thanksgiving, Mm -hmm. okay? But the one who made it official was Lincoln. And when he made it official, he made no compromise with the fact that we give thanks to the living God. Interesting. He, he was a man of incredible conviction. And when he believed something, nothing was going to rock his conviction. Okay? And uh, although I'm not an expert in any way on, on Lincoln, I think it's remarkable that you stand uh, strong in your convictions. Yeah. Um, to the degree that you're willing to come up against whatever opposition for the sake of what you believe. I've
1: read a number of books uh, about Lincoln and I just read a couple months ago. I forgot about it. There's a new one coming up by an author. I respect, I can't remember the author, but your answer makes me realize I'm going to Amazon that when we're done and not lock that down. That's good. All right, Don, is there anything you want to talk about that we haven't talked about?
0: No, I think, uh, uh, I'm, uh, Brian, I'm just, and I, I, I'm so encouraged at, at a distance with what has happened at Crossroads, with the fact that you're, you're, you're staying on the straight and narrow. If you're not and you're fooling us, get back on the straight and narrow. <laughs> no, but the, listen, the yeah. fact that you're still there, hmm. that the church is prospering the way it is, that you're having the impact in Cincinnati, in the entire area and beyond, to the degree that you are, I just want to say, well done, man, stay, stay the course, stay the course. And, 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 and let's finish strong, right? Let's finish strong. Let, let's not, let's not let anything, you know, when you come to the end of your life, when, when any of us come to the end of our life, we want to be able to say what the apostle Paul said, right? I finished the course. I've kept the faith. There's now a crown awaiting me. Okay. Uh, you know, in other words, I, I I won the game of life. Okay? That's what we want. And so steward your life in such a way that's going to enable you to say, I won the game of life.
1: Don, if I were to identify all the father figures in my life, I could put them on one hand and you'd be one of those people, even though we haven't spent, spent decades together on a you know, week-in, week-out basis. I have the utmost respect for you. You have a spiritual weightiness about you, a gravitas about you. You've always had it. You have it right now. And so those words you give me, you you tried doing it earlier and I was kind of laughing about it. And when you just did it right then, I thought, no, I need to sit here and soak this in. So you mean a lot to me. I respect you and love you greatly. Um, Thank you for making a deposit in my life and continuing to. You're setting a new course for me um, about how to finish and how far out to do it. So thank you, my friend. I love you very much.
0: Yeah. If I could, uh, you know, it, the one of the things that I learned, uh, Brian, if I can add this, um, um, in a 10-year time frame in which I believe God took me to the wilderness, okay, to to teach me, all right, God transitioned me from a life like Martha of Luke chapter 10, verses 38 to 42, and he transitioned me to live like Mary. And if you read those few verses there, it's when Jesus comes to their home with his disciples, and Martha's really busy in the kitchen serving. And Mary goes and positions herself in front of Jesus to sit at his feet. And Martha gets all upset, and she comes to Jesus and says, Jesus, why don't you, uh, you know, tell Martha to come and help me? I'm doing all this serving, da-da-da-da-da. And when you unpack that little story, Martha is frustrated, she's controlling, she's angry, she's self-pitying, she's all these different things, even though she loved Jesus. And Mary, Mary, uh, Jesus says to her, Martha, Martha. You know, it was only a handful of times when Jesus ever uttered a name twice. Mm. Simon, Simon, Satan has requested to sift you like wheat. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, when he looked over the city, mm. you're like sheep without a... Okay. Shepherd, yep. Shepherd, right. Okay. Um, my God, my God. Hmm. Why have you forsaken me? Okay. The common denominator in all of those references of a name twice is sorrow-filled affection. I love the person I'm talking to. But something is, is happening right now that makes me sad. Sorrow-filled affection, okay? So he says to Martha, 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 what Mary has chosen is the best thing, and it will not be taken from her, okay? The Lord spoke to me in the midst of those years and said, you know, just like Martha, Don, you love me and you seek to serve me. But in order for you to bear more fruit with your life in the days to come, you need to become like Mary and learn to sit at my feet and live in response to my voice. And one of the things, Brian, over the last, I don't know, couple decades of my life that the Lord has taught me to do is how to live in response to his voice. And that makes a world of difference when you live life in response to the voice of God. But it can't happen if you don't sit at the feet of Jesus to hear his voice. So in the busyness of life and in the busyness of serving and all that life, the responsibilities of life, make sure you take time to sit at the feet of Jesus so that you could live in response to his voice.
1: Well said. Thanks for the counsel. You're you're a good man. Um, but it's great. Time has flown. This is, I don't know if it was good for anybody else, but it was good for me. That's all that matters. So as was good for me. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's all that matters. Don, is there um, anything else you, you want to point people to? This is your time to give an advertisement. You got a book you want to shoot no, people to, no, a website, got... a yada, yada? No.
0: I got, I got, uh,
1: <laughs> no, no, I'm 66. I'm
0: doing what I want. I don't need you to ha-
1: buy any of my wares. That's so good. I love it. <laughs>
0: yeah. Skull. Skull. You don't choose skull. <laughs> no, Vikings. <laughs> skull. Oh, skull. Okay. I was going to say, I was going to say, I, no.
1: I would have had to chew with you at some point. No, I, know I you don't you do. <laughs> I don't, no, I don't chew. I don't
0: chew. <laughs> All
1: right. Hey, <laughs> hey boys and girls, men and women, come on. You know, it's called the aggressive life. There's something here that you and I need to do differently. Maybe you need to be a mother figure. Maybe you need to be a father figure. Maybe you need to get serious about your workout plan. Maybe you need to repent of the idea of retiring and going to Florida. And maybe you need to repent of being about yourself. Maybe Maybe you need to change your opinion of what a life of power is. I don't know what it is. There's something here. We just drank from a very, very deep well. So there's something here for you to do. This is not called the think about interesting things life. This is called the aggressive life. Take control of it. Put it into action. Thank you, Don. We'll see you next time on the aggressive
0: life. Thank you.
1: That's good, dude. I don't know what you expected. I hope that was good for you. (laughs)
0: <laughs> it was good for me yeah <laughs> well uh your guys were kind enough to send me some questions uh although you didn't touch on any of them i know that's fine i did not i didn't <laughs> i didn't look at no, it i was like i'm like yeah. Eh, i, I no, knew it was fine. gonna be the way it was yeah. and i know this no. guy and it's yeah. good so no. no thank you thank you yeah. and i really am proud of you well uh, done man stay stay the course i i just at a distance i hear so many good things about what you're doing
1: well thank you don I, uh, again, your encouragement that does mean a lot. Not just because your father figure role, because you're in a similar yeah. job. Well, you know, one it, of the you know?
0: questions that was on the sheet here was, um, let me look it up here real quick. You said, um, "What do you remember about those early conversations?" Oh and, yeah. Uh, yeah, And what uh, do you remember? Uh, what I do remember, uh, and I'll put it to you this way: I call it, the, I call it the double H effect. Double H effect is humble and hungry. As long as you're humble and hungry, you you got the right balance going. Okay, and Brian, in those days, you were humble in the sense that you were coachable, teachable, inquisitive, always asking questions, always considering things, even outrageous things that I said to you. You know, let me think about that. There, there was, there was, uh, there was, there was not a a pride or an arrogance with the way that you conducted yourself there was a true humility. I hope that's still true today. Okay. I sense it is. Okay. Uh, there was a, there was a humility there that is just so important. Okay. At the same time, you were really hungry and really committed and really passionate and you were getting after it and you were wanting to build a great church and you had a, you got had given you a big vision. And, um, and, and you were wanting to build the right kind of team and, and get the right people on the team. And and, and and so you were laser focused on what you were called to do. And I think the combination of being humble and hungry has borne itself out over the years with the fruitfulness of the ministry that you're engaged in. And I hope you're still hung- humble and hungry today.
1: Uh, that's that's really good, Don. I I. I... I, I believe I am. But I'll tell you what I, I notice is I think the older I've gotten, <clears throat> the harder both of those things are. I mean, because you, yeah. you get some successes. So you start feeling like, hey, I'm, I'm not just grasping for sta- uh, straws in the dark like I was when I was 30 when we were meeting together, 32, whatever it was. So you start to get some successes, So you have more knowledge you did. So that, that kind of hurts the humility thing. And then the hungry thing, I'm, I don't know that I am as hungry. Like, uh, my hunger way back when was, we need, new, we need a building we need a new site. doesn't matter. Right. But it doesn't matter. We're right. going to do it. We're going to freaking do it. Put your head down. I don't care. Get a bigger mortgage. Yeah. We'll pay it off. Right. It will happen. We're going we're gonna to go, go, go. And then you right. get older, and you're like, uh, I don't know. I, I, I'm still hungry. I'm just not sure if that, I don't know, if I'm as abandoned to things. I don't know. I'm, now I'm just processing with you for you just tell me what you hear, what you think.
0: yeah. Well, I guess I would tell you, um, be hungry for God. If you're hungry for God, uh, another key passage for me during my wilderness years is the story in Luke 7 about the woman, who uh, the prostitute who comes into the home of Simon the Pharisee and falls at Jesus' feet and wipes his feet with her tears and uh, her hair. You know the story, okay? I was sitting in a hotel room one morning, and I... I I, fi- I felt a brokenness inside, and I couldn't figure out why. And I read that story, and I asked myself the question as I read it, what would cause this woman to do this? What would cause a woman of ill repute to come into the home of a Pharisee at a dinner party, make her way to the feet of Jesus, and make an absolute fool of herself? What would cause her to do that? And the answer that came to mind was, She was desperate for Jesus. And what the Lord said to me that morning was, Don, there are some things that you're desperate for, but you're more desperate for them than you are for me. And what needs to happen is you need to be less desperate for some of those things, and you need to be desperate for me. And I began to pray that morning for a sense of desperation for Jesus. And uh, so, you know, I, I'm not hungry any, any more, if you will, to build a big church. I'm not hungry to, you know, that kind of stuff. Just, to, you know, I've kind of been there, done that. Okay, I am hungry for for Jesus. I am hungry for more of an outpouring of the anointing of God. I'm hu- I am I am hungry for that. And uh, and you asked me earlier, you know, what keeps you younger. I guess that's what keeps me younger, is I'm hungry for, for more of God.
1: Yeah, that's a good word. I'm kind of ashamed of myself. I just went directly to the practical organizational standpoint and yeah. talking no,
0: about hunger. Oh no. No, no, it's fine. Yeah. yeah. No. Yeah. No, that's fine. But even, I guess what I'm telling you is if you're, if you're hungry, if we're hungry for God, such that we seek Him with a sense of hunger, he then speaks to us about that which we need to do in the realm of the practical.
1: Yeah, that's good. Hungry and humble. Yep. So anyway,
0: thanks for the time. I, I'm honored that you asked. Yeah. So,
1: well, you, uh, you, you so, build so, into so, a lot of people, so, man.
0: So, so thank you. So keep up the good work, my friend. Keep All right. up the good work. You All too, right? Mr. Oak and, of Righteousness. There's and and of listen, you, yeah. hey, listen, if you screw up, man, I'm going to fly to Cincinnati and I'm going to kick your behind, okay? You can't even say yeah. ass, can you? You can say ass.
1: <laughs> Come on, let me, hear, let me hear you say kick your ass. Come on, Don. It's,
0: it's just not in my vocabulary. <laughs> so listen, you you stay on the straight and narrow, okay? And you finish strong, okay? I will. All right, Don. I love you, buddy.
1: Right, bye. Hey, thanks for listening. For all things aggressive living, why don't you head over to bryantome.com, find my new book, Move, a guide to get up and go forward, as well as articles and much, much more. And no matter where you listen to podcasts, why don't you take a second and leave us a rating, leave us a review. It really, really helps us drive new listeners to the show. We want to help as many people as possible, just like we may have helped you. We want to help others. So why don't you help us out? And If you want to connect, find me on Instagram, At Brian Tome. Aggressive Life with Brian Tome is a production of Crossroads Church, Cincinnati, Ohio.